Clear is a faster way into Capital One Arena. Download the free Clear app to beat the crowds on game day. Enter through the Clear Lane at the 7th and G Street entrance across from Clyde's. This is Caps This Morning with John Walton and Ben Raby on Caps Radio 24-7. A flurry of roster moves as several assigned back to Hershey. Injuries and illness continue to run through the locker room and Alan May joins us on Overtimes, the power play, and a whole lot more. Good morning, everybody. It is Wednesday, January 5th. Welcome to Caps This Morning here on Caps Radio 24-7, presented by Clear, the faster way into Capital One Arena. In the midst of a long layoff this week, the Capitals again have practice scheduled today and tomorrow morning at 11 a.m. at MetStar Capitals Iceplex in preparation for a two-game road trip this weekend to St. Louis and Minnesota. It's a day that ends in Y, so the Capitals again have additional health and injuries to deal with. Well, non-COVID illness still has Nick Backstrom and TJ Oshie out of action. Connor McMichael has now joined them. If that wasn't enough, during practice yesterday, Dmitry Orlov left halfway through in obvious pain and was followed into the training room by athletic trainer Jason Service. Also, a bit of an eyebrow raiser at the end of practice yesterday, Ilya Samsonov appeared to be in some discomfort as he left the ice for the locker room. No updates on either Orlov or Samsonov after practice from head coach Peter Laviolette, but he did confirm they both left practice ailing. There was some good news yesterday on the injury and illness front. Martin Ferravari back in practicing. First time he's been available since being placed in COVID protocol on December 24th. A bunch of roster moves yesterday. The Capitals first recalled Alexei Protus back from AHL Hershey, and at the same time assigned Michael Scarbosa, Alexander Alexiev, and Lucas Johansson, all from the taxi squad, back to Chocolate Town. In the absence again of Nicholas Backstrom, Protus slotting in at center on the fourth line between Matt Irwin and Brett Leeson. When uh, I told them this morning, and this doesn't happen too often, the, the group got up and cheered. And I had talked to uh, a lot of them in the last couple days and they said that Alex was the only choice. He's our leader, he's our guy. Capitals when they came out for the pregame warm-up. Alex Ovechkin now wearing the C. He's the 14th Capitals captain in franchise history. Oh, it's a big honor for me to be a captain of Washington Capitals. I'm going to do my best and uh, I'm very happy and uh, very excited. Bruce Boudreaux on the moment. The call from Steve Colby as it happened and the newly minted captain himself. It was 12 years ago today, January 5th, 2010, when Alex Ovechkin was named captain of the Washington Capitals. A week earlier, the Caps traded then-captain Chris Clark to the Columbus Blue Jackets in exchange for Jason Chimera. After a few days with a captain vacancy, the Caps took the ice for the pregame skate against Montreal and unannounced, Alex came out for the warm-up with a C on his sweater. It's been there ever since. He's the third longest tenured captain now in the NHL. Only Sidney Crosby in Pittsburgh and Jonathan Taves in Chicago have held it longer. It happened on this date 12 years ago today. 
Joining us this morning to talk about the state of the Caps, still one of the all-time penalty minute leaders in team history. You see him nightly alongside Alexa Landestoy on NBC Sports Washington, pregame, intermission, and postgame. Friend of the show, Alan May joining us. Alan, how are you, sir? And welcome back to Caps this morning. Well, I'm doing great. Kind of an odd week off again, and it feels like one of those bye weeks right now, which I learned to loathe and despise after the carnage that the Caps usually were part of post-bye week and all-star breaks and everything. So hopefully it's not the same way when they come back from this one. Yeah, I wanted to ask you about that. I mean, it feels like the last couple of weeks it's been a football team we've been doing because it's basically one game a week pretty much. Two games wiped out before Christmas, one after Christmas. You got a five-day gap this week. You got another five-day gap coming up next week. How do players on any team, and maybe this one in specific being a little bit older, a lot of these guys, how do you keep your timing? How do you work through stuff like this? I think the biggest thing in a time like this, when you actually have a week where you can practice and they knew a long time ago that the Montreal game was off the schedule, it's a lot different than prior when all of a sudden they just lost it and then they had to come back right after the break. So I think this one, it's just up to the coaching staff to push the pace and go hard and practice. And and I'm a big believer in those weeks where you get a lot of ice time that the coaches don't talk too much, that they don't overteach because, you know, it becomes paralysis by analysis where the players, when they're thinking too much, their legs aren't moving. And we've seen so many teams come out of those. Back when I played, they've had two-a-days. The coaches would talk a ton. They'd go over too much, and then the guys wouldn't know what to do. They'd be kind of confused or just be too much information. So I think the biggest thing, and I know that our buddy Bruce Boudreaux is doing this up in Vancouver. He's off for an entire week with their schedule being, you know, wiped out again. And it's just push the pedal to the metal and get the guy's legs going. So they're actually just skating subliminally. You're just pushing them and their legs are just going to go. So I think you're better off having fresh legs from being pushed hard than thinking overthinking too much. Yeah, definitely going to have some fresh legs when this one's all over. Alan, I think it's safe to say through the first half of the season that Nicholas Backstrom and TJ Oshie just can't catch a break. 34 <laughs> games into the season, Oshie's only played in 16. He's got four goals, three of those in one game back in October in Ottawa, and Backstrom has seen action incredibly in only three games. you got to feel for him. you got to feel for the frustration as we close in on the halfway point of this season. Well, absolutely. And and I'm not really sure what's gone on with TJ lately, but with Nick, we knew that he was rehabbing and then comes back and unfortunately gets COVID. And he doesn't look like he's missed a beat. He's got points in every game. He's moving it. And you just want him back in the lineup. I think the team is just so much better when you have your slotted centerman, one, two, three, four, instead of asking players to play up and get out of what the realm of their style is. And so hopefully Nick is back soon and, and for good and no more illness, no more injury. And just gets on a roll because I'm sure he's in a phenomenal shape. He looks like he's a little thinner right now than we're used to seeing him. But I think he's got to get conditioning back. It's kind of like what John Carlson, I felt it took him 15, 16, 17, 18 games to get his legs back from his offseason surgery. And then now he's very fluid. He's moving very well. And we're not seeing some of the hiccups that we saw early in the season. So I just want to see Nick be able to get his physical conditioning up so he's battle tested and battle ready when the playoffs start because that's the most grueling time of year maybe related to their absence the power play Allen this team especially quiet in the month of December only two goals both of those for Alex Ovechkin is it as easy as just waiting for this team to get the Backstroms and the Oshies back and healthy and get some reps and get some of that rust taken care of or Are there other issues you see here that need attention because they're in need of a lot more production than they're getting right now? 
Well, the good news is I, I'm a big believer in, you know, the power play is usually the first thing to go in the playoffs and you can't really depend on it. I saw Boston Bruins win a power play, a playoffs, a Stanley cup with almost no power play goals. I think the biggest thing is no matter who the five men that are on the caps power play unit, one or two is there has to be more movement. And we've seen this set up for so long. My entire time being here covering this team has basically been what they call the one, three, one. But I think it's, it's gotten too stagnant and where the players are standing around too much. I believe that you have to have more relays where players are interchanging positions a lot. Like we saw a couple of games ago when Ovi got his record-breaking power play goals. They had a relay, a rotation where the, you know, they moved the puck, they went up the wall, the players changed places. We saw Oshi and Carlson and Ovechkin all change spots. And I think by having movement, you get the penalty killers to move around. The passive penalty killing box when the capital stands still, is the most effective. And I've seen it be the most effective over the years. I saw New York Rangers do incredible jobs in the playoffs, Pittsburgh, New York Islanders, where they stay compact, they stay low. But when you force, when you move, start moving players around, you confuse the penalty kill. So I think there has to be a lot of tactical changes in it, regardless of having the five guys back when they're all back. Because if you just stand still, it's easier to figure out the geometry for the penalty killers. Sunday against New Jersey, it was the seventh time this season that the Capitals lost a three-on-three game in the overtime. What are you seeing in overtimes that you'd like to see this team either change or improve on? Because I guess on one hand, the good thing about this team this year is they're getting standings points nearly every night. On the other side, this is seven points that they left on the table where maybe if you grab some of those, you're the team in first place right now instead of looking up at the New York Rangers this morning. Well, they've had the third most playoff games. I think Tampa's had more, maybe St. Louis. And I might be confused with that second one. But when I look at what's going on in overtime, when we've seen the Caps in the past win overtime games, and usually it was Ovechkin or one of the, you know, the Russian players, it always seemed like a Russian was in on it. They were playing it with speed. And I don't think the slow pace control game suits them because they don't have the acceleration in their older players that a lot of the teams that they're playing have these youngsters out there that just flat out fly. And I think their game is more conducive to winding it up and overwhelming the other team. And you have to have some critical do's and don'ts out there when you're on the ice as to, you know, you're not going to force shots trying to shoot it through two or three guys. But I think the relays where they're skating half and quarter speed, they're getting caught with their basically their pants down and they're having to play too much in their zone. When they have possession, I think they need to get the speed up because when you force other teams to switch in three-on-three types of situations, there always seems to be a trip, a stumble, or a misread that opens up a point-blank opportunity. And that's one thing we haven't seen out of the Caps this year, a lot of golden opportunities in the three-on-three situation. So I think they have to up the pace and they have to go for it harder rather than playing the slow, controlled, methodical game where they're prone to getting caught and a puck's getting stolen. This goes hand-in-hand with that, but not just Capitals. This is league-wide, three-on-three overtime question for you. Obviously, you and I see a lot of Capitals games, but I have seen this with other teams, too. I think of the Buffalo game that went to overtime. I've seen it in other games that I've watched the Caps weren't involved in. It seems to me that the three-on-three in the NHL as a whole has changed a little bit to be a little more conservative. Loop back out of the zone. Take your time. Set things back up. Use all 200 feet. And you don't see too many of those, as you said, use your speed, run and gun kind of things. 
is this a Washington thing because these are the games that we see more of, or is this something that you've seen maybe in other places where coaches have started to figure out now that the three-on-three has been in for a while that they go the more conservative route? It may not be as exciting, but perhaps they feel like that's their better way to win. Well, one of the things, and one of the people I blame, I, I blame coaches for the lack of excitement. And, and I'm going to blame my buddy Rick Tockett for what he did with the Arizona Coyotes because he was the first guy to slow it down, do the regroups, the line changes. And I remember a couple of years, years ago in a back-to-back set with Vegas where the, the Capitals never had the puck the entire overtime. The Coyotes made them pay. But I think a lot of teams watch the Coyotes over the time play that just a possession time because there's a five basically five minutes of possession some nights and I don't like it I think the over coaching of it maybe the coaches have to leave the benches go to the room and just let the players play because it's way more exciting because I remember a few years back and last year not so much this year certainly not until Bruce became the coach of the Vancouver Canucks but the Vancouver Canucks and the Chicago Blackhawks and the LA Kings for that matter were the three most exciting teams in overtime because they were just racing up and down the ice going as fast as they could. And I swear those three teams have been been involved in the most exciting overtimes that I've witnessed since they went to the three-on-three format. So to me, blame the coaches. And I think you have to get back to playing the exciting brand of hockey because it's not working doing the slow methodical thing. Trust your talent, go with your gunners, load up with all your high-end, high-octane offensive guys. And, you know, you got to win those face-offs out there. The other night, the Capitals, I think they won all three face-offs in overtime. Kuznetsov was out there. Dowd took the first one. And possession leads to it. But I think you just have to get after it a lot more. And I blame, like I said, next time I see my buddy Rick Tockett, I'm going to kick him in the ass for ruining overtime for us. (laughs) See, it wasn't just me that. I was like, every time I look around, it seems like it slowed down. It slowed down. It used to be, it was almost a guaranteed excitement. And now it seems to be anything but. Great stuff. Great insight. Great perspective, Alan. We always appreciate when you join us here for a few minutes on the show. We'll keep watching. And uh, thanks so much. Appreciate it. All right. Thanks, John Boy. We'll talk to you soon. Our thanks to Alan May for joining us. Hope you enjoyed today's show. Coming up tomorrow, Ben Raby here, and we'll go one-on-one with Tom Wilson as he prepares for his 600th career NHL game this weekend. It's the Caps and Blues Friday night from Enterprise Center at 8 o'clock Eastern. Caps and Wild from XL Energy Center will then follow Saturday night. That also at 8 o'clock. Have a great Wednesday, everyone. For the latest on the Capitals and hockey news around the clock. Let's go, Caps! Tune in to Caps Radio 24-7. Listen online via the Capitals mobile app at CapsRadio247.com. Or ask Alexa to play Caps Radio 24-7 on TuneIn.